iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times, now with goals. I'm Gabriel McCarthy, and in the studio this week, I am joined by Clive Petty, James Scowcroft, and down the line, it's Ollie Kay. Coming up, we'll be looking at Under Pressure, Arsene Wenger, social media, and the usual quick hits. But first, what happened to that whole Pardew out thing? Callback. And Chelsea a stretch this time. Sissoko is through. It breaks here to Cisse. And Chelsea, unbeaten in 23 games, are staring defeat full in the face as Cisse scores for a second time in this game. Let's start at Newcastle and Chelsea, but let's obviously not start with Pardew out. We'll go back to that. Let's talk about how there will be no Invincibles this season. Oli, Jose Mourinho didn't seem to be bothered at all by this, the fact that they won't go undefeated this season in the Premier League. He's right, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's nothing like as important as, as staying top and, and you don't win the league by staying unbeaten. Obviously, you've got a very good chance of doing Now, Clive, one thing that struck me was sometimes managers say different things to different media, and, um, and that's a good thing because otherwise they'd just be repeating the same crap over and over again. After the game, Mourinho spoke to television, and I was just really struck by how decent and how relaxed he was. He said, look, look you know, uh, I, we lost a game like this because we were unlucky. You know, we didn't lose because of a glaring refereeing error. We didn't lose because we played awful or were complacent. And so you think, like, oh, that's good. That's, that's the spirit. It's Christmas spirit. Come early. But then he speaks to the newspapers, and it's complaining about ball boys and cows on the pitch and so on. Is this a strategy? Is this actually, as somebody put this to me, is this a strategy based around the fact that now uh, Matthew Sia did it today in, in, in the game and so on? You know, so much of the media is now focusing on like, oh, Mourinho the sore loser. And we're talking about Mourinho the sore loser. Maybe we're not talking about some of the deficiencies Chelsea might have shown on the pitch. About Yeah, we're not talking about Chelsea actually getting beaten again. He is a great sort of deflective of that. Of, did, of, did you of, believe that that was his plan? That that's his plan. So we're doing about this. We're talking about how Mikel can't fill in for Matic, for example, or couldn't. Uh, I'm not sure if in this case it's a plan. Well, who knows? I'm not sure if it, in this case because I don't think. I think it was generally enough that Chelsea didn't actually play that badly. I think they did miss Matic, uh, and that was fairly obvious. But I don't think in many in many respects he was correct about the performance. They they were unlucky. Uh, they didn't play particularly badly. I think the the ball boy bit was a bit. Churlish, perhaps, but that's typically Mourinho. He comes out with some sort of line that the the media kind of love and lap up. But 
whether it's another sort of Mourinho mind game thing. I think he is moving away from that thing of last season of, you know, he can't go back now and say you know, that the Chelsea aren't contenders. He's, he's built them up. He knows they are title contenders. Therefore, it's no point in sort of making any excuses about it anymore. He just realises that his team are good enough to win this. And there's no, you know, and this is just... A, a, a minor hiccup on their way to doing that. James, you don't look like you particularly care that uh, he steers the debate one way or another, but you care more about what's on the pitch. I mean, do, do you agree with it? Do, do you see any, any potential cracks or things that could go wrong for, for, for Chelsea, or do we have a title race on our hands? I think we do have a title race, but you know, Chelsea are clear favourites, aren't they? I think what are their weaknesses? Um, what's not good? That's a good question, and it's difficult to pick out. I, I think if you look at, especially this year in the Premier League, this is probably the most competitive Premier League I can ever remember. And to go to be invincible, as they say, I, I think is almost impossible this year. Chelsea's weaknesses, I think it will be reliant on maybe one or two players. But then you can say that about every team, maybe reliant on Costa a little bit too much. One or two players in key areas. It's the spine of the team. And if you go through any Premier League or any top team, that spine of the team, if you take players out of the spine of the team, you're going to miss them. Ollie, what, what, what strikes me, perhaps comparing Chelsea and, and City uh, a little bit and their squads and, and you know and City obviously have other deficiencies is that Mourinho's hardly rotated and you wonder if they'll get if they'll pay a price for that he's hardly rotated he's hardly had injuries as well to me I mean at face value it seems that that could possibly be the only obvious weakness is there something else that you can spot from Ripperton <laughs> um, I, I, I think if you look, if you look at their, their squad Incredibly strong back four. The two in front of the back four are, are extremely good. The, the three behind the, the front man. It's it's a squad without an obvious weakness. I think it's fair to say that. I, I, Manchester City are probably an equally good squad and probably haven't been punching their weight quite so far this season. But they're only three points behind. So when, when everybody's been raving about how wonderful Chelsea are, perhaps you could look at the the Sunderland games, uh, the Sunderland game, the Spurs game, and and and, and think that well. Chelsea, for all their quality, seem to have dropped down a level, perhaps, since um, since the previous few weeks. Turning to Newcastle for a minute, it's one of those wonderful games, you get this wonderful story where the, where the, the, the goalkeeper, and I'm not saying it's wonderful that Rob Elliott's hurt, obviously, but we get to see this this guy come on, this Jack Olnick, I think even George Colkin had no real clear idea who the hell this guy was, and he goes and he gets the job done, at least one good save, seems assertive, punching the ball away. I wonder, Clive, what's going to happen to this guy? Because it is a, it is a really nice it's a really nice story. Um, is this the kind of thing where we'll get one or two sort of local profiles of this guy, and then he's going to disappear, and we'll see him again somewhere down? Because I mean, he is the, the well, third, he's the third or fourth choice, choice goalkeeper. goalkeeper. Yeah, I mean, to all intents and purposes, he's he's kind of had it. It's it's a good story. It's a good now story. He's had his if you like half an hour of, of fame, and he did very well. But it has to be taken into consideration that you know. A very good goalkeeper, Tim Cool, has to come back, and behind that, you know, Rob Elliott, he is going to be the third choice goalkeeper. People may look at him and, and now remember that down the line, well, Newcastle actually do have a very good goalkeeper back there, and some of those bigger clubs might think, here's one we can perhaps take and just to do what Chelsea usually do, in fact, <laughs> you know, right. take somebody else's younger talent and, and hoover them up. But, but you wouldn't do it based on 45 minutes. But you wouldn't do it, no, exactly. It's interesting to see. I'm not sure how how uh, extreme Elliot's injury was, but I mean, if he is he staying, um, whether he's still in line to to keep his place now, whether Elliot is is going to be out for that amount of time, I don't know. But he hasn't done himself any harm at all, has he? No, yeah. no. I just have a sweet story. Now, uh, the other good story is Papi Cisse, who of course had uh, demolished Chelsea 
before with mm. those ridiculous goals at Stamford Bridge. Why can't he get on the pitch more regularly this season? It's a very good question. All right, so it's a good question. You guys look dumbfounded. I'll throw <laughs> it to Ollie. Yeah. Let's let the pros handle this one. I don't think Pardew likes him very much. Yeah, she doesn't seem to be one who particularly um, mucks in in the way that Pardew often likes his players to do. And she said when he came on, made, a, made an enormous impact. Alan Pardew, obviously, he had this campaign against him. Um, I think he's still quite unpopular with a lot of Newcastle supporters. But there's no arguing with his results. Now, you're unique in the sense that I think you can see it both from a fan's perspective and obviously you were a professional. The abuse that you get, I don't know if, if you, you probably didn't get abused. Or you did. Tell us a story about when you were abused because you made a face. <laughs> no, but I, dude, how, how does it... How does it affect you? Is it a different personality? Like, Pardew says, like, yeah, I don't care. It affects everybody, doesn't it? Does it really? Well, I've seen it affect you this morning, walking through the Times office and telling two or three people what you think of them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, it does. And people will say, well, you can't really hear what people say. You can hear what people say. And everybody's human. Um, What's the worst thing that's been shouted at you on the pitch that you heard? Um, That you can say on air? I wouldn't go there. I've been spat at before, which wasn't very um, by your own supporters, yeah, which or wasn't very nice. Really, um, and I did. Uh, this was a different occasion. I did tell somebody what I thought of them once, as the game was going on. Just, just the heat of the moment stuff. Forgot all about it until a journalist rang me up the next day and said, "Oh, I heard you say such and such." But luckily for me, it was before the era of smartphones, and we've got you <laughs> on camera. Um, and I've also stood on the terrace before and sworn at players, which, you know, you'd you have to sort of take a step back and get out the heat at the moment. We do need to move on. It's um, a family show, this, isn't it? Well, it I is a family show. The, uh, Ollie, you're one of those people that said that Alan Pardew definitely had to be sacked a long time ago and that you wanted him out of the club. Have you revised your viewpoint? I, I, I wrote that I thought it was very, very hard to see him coming back from, from yet another sort of six-month, seven-month slump. Basically, January to September or January to October, Newcastle barely won a game. They were awful. They've had a lot of runs like that, and it, at that point, it looked like he was a busted flush and that they, they probably needed to change. And I would say that I did actually stick with him. Is, is it out of some great philosophy that he's got? No, I, I think he was probably counting the pennies and thinking he didn't want to sack him. I, I'm friends with a couple um, sort of analytics nerds, and they say that when Newcastle were awful, uh, they were collecting fewer points than they deserve to. And right now that they're in this good run, they actually should be collecting fewer points uh, than they are collecting. So really, if you look past the results and if you use the analytics uh, to go and, and tr- really assess somebody, Newcastle are probably somewhere in between where, where they should be, and, and they will get worse again. I, w- I would agree with the, the idea that they are neither this brilliant team that they've looked like over the past month or so, or this terrible relegation threatened team that they were for most of 2014. But if, if you look at them, they all seem to have these extended highs and extended lows. Newcastle seem to be a classic case of a team where they're either hot or they're not. And um, right now, they're hot again. Sorry, you have to give credit where credit's due, though, Gab. Do you not? No. Uh, honestly, no. No. I, 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 like, I don't know. I, From I, the I, pressure I, I, I don't what, was under. What pressure? What, 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 pressure? What, what pressure? I'm seriously. What? I, I, I mean, listen, I, I think... Yeah, twenty thousand fans with sackpardew.com banners. Right. And, uh, are any of those people going to show up? Are any of those people going to show up around his house and beat him up? No. What's the worst thing that happens? The worst thing that happens is that Ashley fires him, and then his lawyer goes in and negotiates compensation for him. That is the absolute worst thing 
that can happen to Alan Pardew, right? It's still not very nice, though, is it? Well, no. Credit to Alan Pardew for the the winning run he's put together. You, you, it's not just luck, is it? I, I'm not suggesting it's luck, but like I said, like if you buy the stuff before, they were no, they weren't nearly as bad as 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 they as their results were earlier, you know. I, so I I don't know that he's he's made any major changes. I I think they he simply stuck with the way he was playing, and so they've moved up the table. But I personally don't think he's a terrible manager. Um, I think he's a very good manager. First period for Stoke so far. Bojan with the delivery. Crouch climbs highest, and it's come to Walters. And a good first half has just got better for Stoke City because they've made it 3-0. Jonathan Walters couldn't miss. What were Arsenal doing defensively? Five men challenging, Crouch climbed highest and no one picked up Walters. And Arsenal in disarray here. We have to move on to Stoke and Arsenal. Ollie, I'm going to start with you because, if I'm not mistaken, you used to live in Stoke, right? No, you are mistaken. Oh, really? Did you not work in Stoke? I did. Is it, is it possible to um, work there and, and not live there? I think, I think that's the. Is uh, it that horrible a place that you couldn't live most there? Of their players apply. No, it's, it's a nice place, underrated place. Okay. Well, it's, it's where Robbie Williams is from, too, isn't it? Burslem. Burslem. I, I might be wrong. It's five towns in yeah. Stoke. Yeah. It's not really a city, it's five bits put together. Anyway, so you're struck by this because this is kind of. You get a narrative, right? When, you, when you're about to look at a game, and the narrative is inevitably, why doesn't Arsene Wenger have enough solutions at the back? And he has to play Callum Chambers at, 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 at center half. And, and you're sort of vindicated straight away because everything falls enough, falls apart and turns into, into a, a big pile of turds and they're 3-0 down and they deserve to be 4-0 down. And it's almost as if God wants to punish Arsene. James, it was absolutely horrible, wasn't it? I mean, I, maybe not from your perspective because you're not an Arsenal fan, but did, did you feel at all for like what was happening there? 3-2 probably flattened Arsenal in the end, didn't it? And he's maybe come out with a little bit of... Um, it could have been an absolute horror show. I just feel that it's getting very, very toxic at Arsenal, isn't it? And you can't really see it debating where it's going to take something special to turn this around. Ollie, I know I've done this. I'm assuming you've done this. I'm assuming you've spoken to people at Arsenal. Um, maybe you even asked the question directly to Wenger. I haven't. Why do you go into the season with... This is the hub of the issue here, right? When Koscielny and Mertesacker have started this season, and they've started in really big games against City, against Chelsea, against Southampton, they've conceded fewer than a goal per game. In the seven games when they did not start, or, or sorry, the eight games they did not start together, they've conceded one and a half goal a game. So it's pretty obvious you need somebody who can play as your third center half, and you choose for your third center half to be a 19-year-old kid who has one season of Premier League experience under his belt, who played at right back all of last year, and I believe for most of his youth career, and who's also making the jump from Southampton to Arsenal, he's moving towns and, and whatever else. Why would you do that? It was, it was absolutely bizarre. I mean, the, You've the asked him, right? I haven't asked him that. I know he's been asked many times at, at his weekly press conferences. And he says, I, well, what does yeah. he say? It talks about how unlucky they've been with injury and says that Flamini can fill in at, at full-back and how Monreal and, and, and others can play in um, central defence, Chambers can play in central defence. And, and I look at the defenders that Manchester United have got, and they, they've got something like nine or ten international defenders, and they've all, nearly always injured most of them. So, you know, you can't, you can't count that. And when Arsenal have got six defenders and generally... They're always one or two injured. I mean, they, they, they struggle to they struggle to put out a, a back four most weeks. 
incredibly naive to think that you could go in, into the season with defensive options so weak when you're playing top end of the Premier League and, and I, I just can't understand that. You mentioned United there. United also went into the season with just six defenders with Premier League experience and so did Chelsea. But the big difference, I think, between Chelsea and, and Arsenal is Chelsea have two guys in Azpilicueta and, and Ivanovic who are far more versatile and really can legitimately play two different positions. It's not like a, somebody like Chambers, like, oh, let's play him at centre-back, even though he's never, played, never done it. And in the case of Manchester United, obviously, as Oli said, the big difference is that you have a guy who's willing to use wingers like Ashley Young and Valencia as full-back. They've played there before. And he's also willing to play the kids from the youth team. And I find this interesting because right, none of us are Arsenal fans. We're not those nerds who, who sit and like are on the Young Gunners blog. But... They have two guys, uh, Isaac Hayden and this other guy who I think they signed from Charlton, Sefi. I, I, I don't know. He's a guy of African descent. I've never seen these people play. I don't know if they're any good. But in preseason, when my understanding is when Arsenal had the chance to go and they, they, they tried to get Nastasic on loan, they, 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 tried, they were offered Costas Manolas from Olympiacos who then went to Roma. They didn't do it in part because he thought that these guys could step up if needed. And for whatever reason, they, they've been kind of League Cup fodder. What's your take, Clive? It's almost quite an arrogant viewpoint of Wenger. He's determined somehow to be proven right because he doesn't, he's still sticking to that way of playing, despite, as you say, all those defensive deficiencies. He still believes that his way perhaps is right and that he can, he'll mould Callum Chambers into a centre back way before anybody else thinks he's ready to be it. I don't understand Monreal playing it in the centre of. Of defence, I, I just don't get that one anyway. Even when you take into account those defensive deficiencies and injuries, he doesn't adapt to anything else. So those, the, the midfield, are not, they're still all bombing forward. There's no midfield cover to, to kind of cover the fact that your defence is slightly lacking. And that just seems to be a kind of arrogance on Wenger's part, if you ask me. It, it can only be that, because you know, anybody else, you, everybody in this room sees that. Somebody at Arsenal must, you know, the, the, the backroom staff at Arsenal must see that. I don't know what Steve Bold, who sits there, they, 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 that's a very odd partnership on that bench. They don't even seem to want to look at each other. So I, I'm kind of wondering how much they even talk to each other back at the Arsenal train, uh, London Colding. What's going on there? What is Steve Bold kind of doing? If he's not there putting forward suggestions that say, OK, we've got these deficiencies. Shouldn't we be looking at making the wider midfield players kind of drop and cover for, for these guys because, and, and, and build it that way. Make sure we don't lose first instead of always bumming on to win. And so I can only think that Wenger just thinks, no, I'm right, we're going to carry on doing this. James, I, I don't want you to be our special expert on being abused. This I guess, iPhone video appeared on social media. I'm assuming you've seen it. I'm assuming everybody's seen it. Where basically they're at the train station in, in Stoke, I presume. They're, they're trying to leave. Wenger walks by and the video was taken by Arsenal supporters and they shout an obscenity at him and they tell him to get out of the club now I saw people tweeting about this I saw Gary Lineker who I presume has never been abused ever by his own fans in his life who said it was it was horrible and blah 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 I don't think Wenger is overly bothered by it personally because I think he's an adult and I, I'm assuming this stuff happens when you're no, a manager he will right? be bothered really yeah why well, well how is that were you that bothered when you were yeah I was devastated yeah you don't, you, you don't think... Okay, but then again... Devastated you to a certain point that, you know, I feared playing football at one stage. Okay, but how old were you at the time? Uh, 21. It's a bit... When you're 21 years old, it's a bit different uh, when you've been in the game 45 years the way Wenger has, no? I, I don't you know. You don't think I'm, he's I'm, never he's ever heard that? Or I'm, he's ever I'm sure he has, it? but that, that's... 
you know, a personal, I saw the video last night, you know, that's a personal in your face. And I can just picture that scenario at Stoke train station because that, that's your hardcore support, really, that are going to catch a train on the way back. That, that's your support that go home and away every single week. Now, apparently there was 50 cuffs in the Arsenal end, people in support and this, that. The whole situation is toxic. But that, that has to, you know, I, I can't. You'd have to be unbelievably arrogant and have skin of a rhinoceros, I think, for that not to affect you. Ollie, what's your take on this? Because obviously we don't we don't manage Arsenal Football Club, you and I, but we occasionally get abuse on social media and people we don't know. Um, I remember you being abused once for... Um, having the wrong kind of accent to be northern. But the, by who? What? It was, the, was that you? That wasn't me, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The train is now approaching. Junction 2.0 Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. That's the... <laughs> Tony Evans was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it actually was one of those people. But um, do you think? I, I mean, I, I I bow to James because obviously he's 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 been there, and and I have it. I I just kind of take it as read that if you're the manager of a football club for a long time, you are going to be incredibly thick skinned, and you would have seen it all and and heard it all. But uh, am I wrong? Does Wenger have a? a, a the sort of this, the sensitive side where he reads this and he doesn't just sit there and rationalize, well, it's well, it's less than 1% of the, this and I've achieved this and <laughs> I'm right and they're wrong. I think it's a, a, an interesting case. Can we, we, can, we can see he's, he's a very determined, you know, you could, all, you could say a, a, probably a less fashion word like bloody-minded or stubborn guy, but he, I, I don't think he's got the, the thick skin that someone like Ferguson would have. I, I mean, I, I've, I've seen Wenger get upset by questions or, or irritated by questions that, uh, you know, he doesn't, I'm not talking about the angry backlash that you'd get from Ferguson in, in a press conference. He, he seems he seems hurt at times by criticism. And I think this will upset him. I, I, I think it will sadden him, certainly. And to be honest, it saddens me because I, I can understand the frustration of Arsenal fans. Really, I can. I can understand patience wearing extremely thin, but I can't understand the mentality of get out of our club or booing Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger, even in these last 10 years where, where people are 
some people tend to say he's been a complete failure, although I, I would I would disagree with that. He's done very good things for Arsenal these past 10 years. You, you go back 20, what, 22 years or 21 years to when Brian Clough was in his final season at Forest. He'd, he'd had a you know a fairly disappointing decade and, and was sort of winding down. He obviously had issues and and, and was a you know was had certainly lost his grip completely in in a way that Wenger hasn't. No Forest fans would subject him to to that kind of thing. It's, it's because people were more sensible and more respectful in those days. It is a legitimate point to say, you know. You've done a lot of great things for us, but now the game has changed, the situation's changed, and we would like somebody different. And I think when Arsenal fans perhaps, or, or some Arsenal, those fans who criticize Wenger, they see a tremendous amount of frustration because they don't see anybody within the club acting as a counterweight to Wenger. When David Dean was there, the situation was, the situation was different. Now you have somebody who is legitimately omnipotent within the club. You have to and take the rough with the, the smooth, though, changes. as well, Gab. Do you not? That, that's, you know, football's a game of highs and lows, you know, and Arsene Wenger, rightly so as well, has had a lot of highs, a lot of pats on the back. No, a lot I, of the, he's no the greatest question. manager we've ever seen. Is that, right. So to have that high, you have to have a low somewhere to appreciate it, don't you? Ah, that, that's The board, he's not going to be sacked, is he? That's the problem. So isn't the Arsenal sort of fans, Anger, suggesting that a more dignity and he doesn't it's deserve to picture, be sacked. Yeah, you know he's got to. They're trying, but he's got to. He's got to make the gesture of saying that horrible phase of that's as as far as it goes now. And now I shall ride off into the sunset with all my plaudits. So we were saying he's not going to be sacked, so he needs to resign. But if he doesn't believe he's no, but that's what, but that's what Arsenal fans yeah. want to happen, not what, what will happen. Yeah, they don't want they, to push they'd him. Like they want him, him to jump. They want yeah. They yeah. want him to sort of say, look, um, you know, it's been great. We we need to give. Stoke some love here, I, I think, because there was a lot of skepticism when Mark Hughes took over. Obviously, he's been there a while. I, I think they do play differently than that man who was there before him. And if you were to tell me that Boyan would be playing for Stoke at some point and playing ridiculously well after all those years in the wilderness, I would have never believed you. Ever, ever, ever. And he's doing it at Stoke. This is the guy who's supposed to be the next Messi is doing it on wet, windy nights at Stoke. Hey, Ollie, are you as as impressed, as, as surprised, as shocked as I am by the little fur? The thing that surprises and shocks me is, is that, you know, you, you could have looked at him the first month or two and said, this isn't going to work. And, um, you know, you, you might have expected um, it to be the other way around with, with him. You might have thought he'd be the guy who, who would come in, hit the ground running and when the sun's shining and... Um, at, you know, at risk of resorting to stereotypes, <laughs> going to his shell a bit when it when it got a bit cold and, and wet in, um, in in Stoke in, in the winter. But you know, his his form the last um, last few weeks has been fantastic. His, his, his performance on on Sunday was was brilliant, and it, it, it's great to see. I mean, it, it, it's, I'm sure he will still be a guy who has highs and lows because you know he's always been that kind of hot and cold kind of player. But he's, he's um, yeah, I, I was very excited by by the way he played the other day. I saw him at Tottenham a few weeks ago and I thought he was very good there and he's been given a sort of a free little role by Mark Hughes just drop right behind Peter Crouch pick the ball not really too many defensive responsibilities maybe maybe Stoke's an easier club to play for than what the other clubs he's played for as well in our debate this week we're going to talk about the FA as the Twitter police obviously there's the most recent case with uh, with Mario Balotelli those who don't know is he forwarded on Instagram a post, which is clearly an, an anti-racist post, but then made reference to uh, certain stereotypes involving uh, um, black people and uh, and Jews. Balotelli evidently, if 
felt that he was somehow immune by this, given that his grandmother uh, is a Holocaust survivor, and uh, he himself, of course, is black and has experienced racism uh, directly. And then, of course, you remove the post and he apologized for it, but he was nevertheless charged. That's kind of the background there. We've seen this before. Rio Ferdinand has had it uh, not once, but twice, actually. Ali, I want to start with you. I'm assuming you've read Dicko's piece and before that, Rory's piece. I think some people think that the, 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 the Balotelli thing should be ignored, whether it's ignored because it's social media or because it was, or because of the content or because of the, you know, the context of him being somebody who's um, suffered and encountered and endured racial abuse before, and therefore he should be immune uh, some, in some way. Now, I, I, I totally sympathise with, with Balotelli over that, but if you've got rules saying racially abusive remarks or um, or comments, whether they're authored by you or not, are um, are illegal. Then you've got to punish you. You can't you can't say, well, but Balotelli's um, endured racism himself. So, but, but sorry, Ollie, if I jump in there, isn't that part of the problem? Is you don't have those rules. You have a sort of this very generic, bringing the game into disrepute charge, and we kind of have a vague idea of what's well, or maybe a vague or less vague idea about what's allowed. But you don't have a specific rule. You have more of a common sense rule, and Balotelli's obviously been wanting in that department. Yeah, and, and, and it's exactly the kind of thing that the FA, I think, rightly have been clamping down on. Here's my problem with it, Clive, and, and I can see where Ollie's coming from, and this is, this is a subject I got to debate this on, on Twitter with, um, with, with Dicko, is why is it the FA who are cracking down on this, given that they have very limited resources? If they're going to be fair about this, they can't just pick on Balotelli and Rio Ferdinand. I mean, they're responsible for all registered footballers, right? Would it not make more sense to shift the onus on, on the clubs who actually have behavioral clauses in, in most contracts and say, when this happens, we expect you to deal with it. If you deal with it in a way that we're not happy with, then we'll open an investigation and go and crack down on this. But we will hold you responsible first and foremost for the behavior of your employees, which is the way it works in the real world. Maybe, but I'm not, I'm not sure. Clubs, they, they will also have a sort of scale of uh, behaviour and you know, in some clubs it will be scaled towards how much value do we put on that player as, against, as the transgressor. I mean, if... That's fine, but if they don't well, put... Is, if it, they is don't it fine? Why, does it, why is that fine? I'm just saying, you know, if... if let's take Balotelli. If, um, well, let's not take Balotelli. Well, no, I'm just, no, let's no, take no, Rio no, Ferdinand. No, let's, my point about Balotelli is if Balotelli had, had arrived at Liverpool, say, and had been, um, well, you could say compare it with, say, Suarez in that case, right? If Suarez had still been there, and this would have been Luis Suarez, if, and he's knocking in his right. 30 or 35 goals a season, whatever it is, clubs would be more inclined to well, say, manage their the kind case, of behaviour against another guy who's not doing anything, right. and we think, well, we but don't really I, care I, about Listen, him. listen all right, I know what you're saying. So the clubs would let their guys get off scot-free. But what I'm suggesting is, you go to the clubs and you put the responsibility in the clubs and you say, in this specific case, you know, um, look, it's up to you to deal with it to make sure this never happens again. You, you've, got, you've got three days or whatever to tell us how you're dealing with it, how you're punishing them, and what your investigation is. If we're not happy with it, then we'll open our own investigation and the person we're going to punish isn't the perpetrator necessarily, but we will punish the club for not having tough enough rules and not cracking down on this enough. Well, why not just, you're punishing a club for... A single player's transgression. I Absolutely. Mean, that's like, no, no, well, no, 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 no. You're not punishing the club for the transgression. You're, you're punishing the club for the way well, they handled they the, handle transgression the transgression for failing to police their own employees. 
Um, James. Oh, I think we should just cut out in the middle, man. Well, because the FA is that. What I'd like to see is that the, the, the punishment actually taken off the FA and actually have a proper sort of independent... Because the FA only ever... Be, I mean, the FA only ever brings these things. You know, they charge a player and the next thing you know, he's got a ban where it is. Nobody ever gets off. Let's have a truly independent body looking at these things. Because, you know, the, the FA only ever brings these things when it, you know, when they say when they know they're going to get a, a a result, as it were. Gab, if I was a manager, I would ban all my players from going anywhere near to it. It's just not worth the hassle. Ollie, can can my plan work? Can can we not hold clubs? Is it not easier to hold clubs responsible and really crack down on them when when their employees get out of line? Because, Ollie, let's say you get drunk tonight and run naked and harassing people through the streets uh, of, of Rippenden, right? Uh, I hope not, because my mum's coming around. Okay. <laughs> if that were to happen, right, and, and you were doing it while holding a giant Times banner, I'm assuming your employer would crack down on you first and foremost, and then, and then, and not some kind of uber journalistic star chamber press complaints commission or whatever, right? And if the Times didn't crack down on you, then the, the press complaints commission or whatever would get involved, right? Isn't that normally how it should work? Yeah, can, can, can we can we go back to the um, the, the, the original example? As opposed to you running naked. I tell you. No, I I just think clubs have shown that that they're they're not capable of of handling these independently and sensibly and objectively. I mean, the, the Suarez case. Would you say Liverpool handled that with? Well, um, on the, hang on a second. I, 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 would ex- I, I would argue the Suarez case is very different because there was a dispute from the start between two different people at two different clubs about what exactly happened. And there the FA had to get involved because they had to establish the truth to, their best, to the best of their ability. In the Rio Ferdinand case, in the Mario Balotelli case, there is no, there is no dispute about what happened. Right? The facts are there. Nobody else outside of the club in, is affected. I would expect you as a club to be able to to, 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 to to take the appropriate action. And what kind of a message does it send if you as a football club are, are not capable of doing it? Maybe the FA should educate its constituents, the football well, clubs, in, in how to do this. Yeah, but the political parties being a, a classic example, they, they only resort to the worst judgment if they feel that somebody is, beca- you know, they don't castigate their own unless they, if they can help it. Isn't the flip side now where you create distance between the FA and the clubs because the clubs are saying, oh, look, Rio, oh, look, Mario, you've done this, but, you know, we know it's all in good fun. There's nothing wrong with what you did. But, look, big bad FA, those, those, those guys there in uh, – um, those guys down in London, they're going to go and have, have a go at you, and you know, but you really did nothing wrong. Isn't there something here in the educational process that's missing? John Terry, Louis Suarez, etc. People are found guilty by the FA of – you know, racially abusing an opponent, and there's no educational element to the punishment. There's no, there's no sending on a diversity course. There's no kind of community service aspect to it, and uh, and they clearly should be because I think that that would have helped in both of those cases. Right. How about some quick hits? Andy Carroll bags two goals and sets up another as West Ham overcomes Swansea and flying to third place, uh, at least for the time being. Clive, what if the big band plays like this the rest of the season? Where can the Irons finish? It would be a living, walking miracle if Andy Carroll isn't out for <laughs> for some period again in the rest That's of the so season. So negative. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, 
drawing on experience. Let's see how if the Big Mac can carry on standing up but or face the West Ham. But I still think the natural order will uh, take hold sooner or later. Top 10, maybe. They're, they're, they're a downside better team than they were. But they should have been in relegation trouble last, last year. Manchester City overcome Everton. Um, and we see a very dubious uh, James Milner dive, non-dive. Nobody knows. It's James Milner. He'd never do it. So let's not go there. Uh, let's talk instead of uh, Sergio Aguero, who goes down injured. Uh, Ollie, look into your crystal ball. How long will he be out, and how will it affect City, starting with the Champions League? Well, I guess by the time people listen to this, they'll know how long he's out. Um, so I know. I probably, I probably shouldn't speculate on that. But you should. Uh, I, I know he's out. Of, You're a doctor. Um, I know he's out Wednesday because they, they, they apparently the swelling so bad that they can't even well they've, they've not even been able to scan him at the time of uh, recording this. So um, they they have no expectation of him being uh, fit for Wednesday, and that is a big big blow because he's been in such incredible form, and it's a, a game where City need to win. Yannick Bolasi and Wilfred Zaha served up two delicious bits of skill. I mean, I was in vine heaven uh, as Palace got a draw at Spurs. James, how hard is it to do what they did? Uh, I mean, if Zaha can do it, why can't Hazard do it all the time? And could you do it? Uh, Have you ever done it no, in a game? I've probably done it in training. I've tried to do it in training. It's hard to do, but to do it in an environment where the game is played at the pace that the Premiership is played and to succeed in doing what they were trying to do is uh, exceptional. So why doesn't Hazard do it all the time? They might not feel you know the they, need to do it. Well, you can, you you can, well, 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 why, why doesn't Balassi and Zaha do it all the time? Balassi tries it all the time. I just thought maybe somebody better could. They're different players. I don't know. I, 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 the reason I ask is you're going to get the sense that people don't do it because when you don't pull it off, your yeah, teammates yeah. shout at you and get cross at you. And the manager might say, you ever do that again, and you'll be sitting next to Exactly. <laughs> uh, speaking of Tottenham, another two points dropped. Clive, any positive uh, for your lot to take home apart from... Uh, Hugo Lloris. Two points dropped. I suppose we could look at it and say it's a, a home point game, the way that um, the, the home form hasn't been brilliant, apart from, well, three points, uh, four points from the last two games is a... Is a, is a it's improving. It's improving, exactly. That's the Brendan <laughs> Rodgers concept. Um, but the inconsistency, as I said, Everton was such a, a more positive performance and they, they actually did defend very well in that game. And then suddenly in the next two games, they were back to being... I'm average again, so it's the inconsistency. So hopefully they may be able to get something and keep this going into you know into next something into next Saturday. Oh, I thought you were going to be all negative, Nelly, but you are. No, you I are, mean they're just yeah. it's the up and down bit that they've got now. You know, it's one extreme to another. Ollie, is the glass half full or half empty for Liverpool? They're not conceding goals, but then they're not really shooting on goal either. Has someone flicked a switch on Brendan in Brendan Rodgers' head? Uh, has he kind of? forgotten that they are Liverpool and that maybe this whole sort of thinking like a little club is what befits a little club manager? Well, I think if you look at it, they've, they've only won two in eight, but um, but beaten in the last four matches. But are, are they playing well? No, they're not. I mean, they're, they're, I thought they were half decent away to Leicester and, and, and so on, but they are playing better. Is it good enough? No, it's not. And, it's, and they will look at uh, Basel on Tuesday night with, with some apprehension. Tough times for my man Nigel Pearson. His Leicester side lose to Aston Villa a few days after he tells a supporter to, quote, f*** off and die. Um, Scoey, you've told us before, you've walked in his shoes. I didn't say die. Oh, okay, you just advised the guy to <laughs> f*** off. In a polite way, yes. You ever seen the, the Billy Connolly? 
clip in the 80s where he's at stand-up show and he said there's no other way to tell someone to go away or mm. to shoo or to sometimes you have See, to say hinted. yes <laughs> you seen that clip you know exactly what i mean don't you I do. yeah it's so you have sympathy clip. for nigel pearson i wouldn't say sympathy is the right word it's heat at the moment gab you, you it's a high pressure job more pressure than what you think uh, one for you, Gab. You wrote in your column in the game this week about the African Cup of Nations. Anything I should know? Did you not edit it? No, I had the weekend off. Obviously. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah, well, basically, the African Cup of Nations kicks off in about 40 days in um, Equatorial Guinea. It's been an absolute nightmare. We're fortunate that it's even happening. Morocco were obviously supposed to, to host it. Then they got cold feet, supposedly because of the Ebola virus. Uh, but then they even refused to have it, have the whole competition behind closed doors. They had to scamble, scramble. Equatorial Guinea is not an ideal place for it. Not only do they have a, a nasty dictator, um, but they're Africa's richest country uh, in terms of per capita income. The per capita income is comparable to England, and that's why it's being held there. It's unclear about two of the stadiums anyway. Um, the ones that didn't host the Cup of Nations back in 2012. Simple as African football, African fans deserve better, but maybe given this bizarre situation we're in, we should just be grateful that the tournament's going ahead. Right, that's all we've got time for this week. If you haven't subscribed on iTunes and Player FM for Android, please do so immediately. Many, many thanks to my guests today, the excellent Clive Petty, the excellent James Gocroft, and the very excellent Ollie Kay. Check out thetimes.co.uk. Members get exclusive football, rugby, and cricket highlights. There is such a thing as cricket highlights. We've been through this before. Free as part of their subscription. If you're not a member yet, you can take our one-pound digital trial today. Just search Time Sport online. You'll get access to our archives. Everything Matthew Side has ever written for The Times is right there at your fingertips. Uh, see you same place, same bat channel next week. Bye-bye. Your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal. Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.